Are you experiencing some sticker shock with your groceries lately? The good news is that um, overall inflation and the inflation in food has moderated some in the last few months. But uh, the bad news, got to be honest, um, when we compare with uh, where we were a year ago, there are an awful lot of foodstuffs, uh, especially in the dairy area, cereal and bakery goods uh, that are up very substantially. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. The University of Michigan has released its annual U.S. Economic Outlook report. Looks like we are on our way to a recession but economic forecasters say it won't necessarily be as stormy as recessions past. Charlie Ballard is a professor emeritus of economics at Michigan State University, and Danail Manayankau is one of the forecasters at the U of M who worked on this week's report. They joined us to break down the trends. I'm a forecaster, and we look at lots of different indicators. And for the past few years, a lot of them are pointing in different directions. Lately, uh, we've been seeing more and more uh, uh, indicators that are a little bit concerning. So today I've been showing what's been happening to inflation. Everybody knows that's high, but I've also been showing what's happening in the housing market where there are some alarming numbers and, and, and some of the indicators of new activity are hitting uh, multi-year lows. I'll be showing what's happening uh, to lending standards across the U.S. banking sector where we see a significant tightening of lending standards um, on the other hand, uh, some of the uh, like broadly the broadest measures of the economy that we have, which is the uh, payroll job gains, are still holding up pretty well. So we think there are things that are worrying uh, looking far ahead, but currently we are still uh, in an environment with a solid economic momentum. Hmm. So I mean. The word recession has been on people's lips lately, and there are employers in Michigan that that have announced layoffs. I don't know how much the term recession matters if one is on the business end of one of those, but do you consider us in a true recession now? Um, At the moment, no. Uh, We have a pretty good description by the people who call recessions in the United States, which is called the Business Cycle Dating Committee at the National Bureau of Economic Research. They keep track of maybe half a dozen of indicators that, that, that they use to time the economy, and all, most of those are still growing. So I don't think we're in a recession yet. I don't think we've been in a recession over the prior several quarters. We did get a contraction of the gross domestic product, which is a definition of recession in some countries in Europe, but not here. Charlie, I don't find any ambiguity in consumer pricing when I hit the grocery store on the weekends. As far as all these different indicators go, how do the ground-level prices on produce and processed foods that are shipped domestically and internationally, what does that tell us about the wider economy? Well, overall, food is about 11% higher than it was uh, a year ago. So that's that's at a higher pace than the overall rate of inflation. Um, not as much as energy, energy, uh, fuel oil, gasoline, electricity. Those are the things that have skyrocketed the most. But food is kind of number two. And there are some things that are in the consumer price index that you can kind of get by without. Food is not one of them. And of course, it especially takes a bite uh, out of the paychecks of those who are on low low incomes, and so um, uh, it's it's definitely a concern. The only the only good thing that I can say is, uh, as I said, it's uh, slowed down some in recent months, 
Um, and also uh, fruits and vegetables are down a little bit from where they were a month ago. So it's not that everything's going up, but a lot of items have. There's just no question about it. Charlie, what happens broadly when people when when prices are up on the things that people do have to buy, like foods? And I don't know if if <laughs> if there are differentiations in the consumer price uh, index for things like holiday purchases versus necessities like food. But basically, when prices are high and the zeitgeist is pretty dreadful, it's uh, it's. It's a real challenge. Of course, it's a much bigger challenge for those in the bottom half of the income distribution. Uh, if you're if you're affluent, you know you pay the higher prices, and it's no big deal. But for an awful lot of Americans, it, it's a challenge. the The Labor Department does break out a lot of separate categories. For instance, they they distinguish between food purchased for home consumption and food purchased at restaurants and and bars. Um, the, interestingly, the um, out-of-home consumption food has gone up less than that for home consumption. I don't think that necessarily means that you want to go out to a whole bunch of restaurants because you're not necessarily going to save money, but at least they haven't gone up as, as much. Um, what do people do? Well, look hard for bargains. Um, there are bargains out there if you look. Try to find coupons. Uh, but for so many it's it's a difficult challenge. The worst situations, the poorest Americans, sometimes it's a choice between uh, making rent and putting food on the table, and that's not a very nice choice. Daniel, what kind of tools does the Fed's Open Market Committee have to deal with the issues manifesting in in consumer prices for both, both households and businesses? Right. Or might they choose not to take action at all? Um, so the tool that they have... Um, is really a single blunt tool is manipulating either the current interest rate or the expectations of longer term, uh, short term interest rates. And it's an open question whether the Fed is going to try to slow raising rates. I mean, I know uh, we've got a pretty good CPI report last week, which was for October, which which I know markets reacted very strongly to. But we, at this point, we're a little bit skeptical that's going to sustain, and we're also skeptical that the same CPI report is going to translate to the metric that the Federal Reserve cares about, which is the a little bit different uh, index, which is called the consumer spending deflator, because a lot of the things that helped drive CPI down are calculated differently. So we think the Fed is still maybe half a year away from uh, leveling off their interest rates. So we think the rates will probably still keep going up. And unfortunately, it's a very blunt tool. It doesn't allow differentiating between people on the lower end of in- income distribution and in the higher end, end of dis- income distribution. So it's probably going to still hurt for at least some time. When we come back, we'll talk about what's going on in the housing market. If you're looking to buy, there may be a time that will come, but it's not right now. More after the break. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. 
Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. I think the scariest thing I saw in the forecast this week, Danielle, was the heading nuclear winter in housing and all the information that followed. What's in the mix of indicators freezing out buyers right now? So rates are up significantly. Uh, we got a little bit reprieve this week because uh, as a response to the October CPI, long-term bonds came down and mortgage rates also came down. They were about 7.1% last week and this week's aggregate, I think, is uh, 6.6. It's probably not going to help much because it's still significantly above that what we've seen a year ago. So homes are really, really, really not affordable at the moment. So people are not looking to buy, but also people are also not looking to sell much. So it's, it's likely that uh, in the housing sector, we're going to see a significant slowdown of new activity. So at the moment, at the moment, People working in the construction sector still have jobs because there's been a huge backlog of projects from the uh, past two years, and a lot of housing got started and people are working on them. But the pipeline of new projects is probably going to slow significantly, and and unfortunately, I, we we expect to see layoffs in the residential construction sector, but also those people who are working in mortgage finance. So think about all of those. I know Rocket Mortgages have been. Uh, doing very, very good business for the past 10 years. A lot of those jobs are at risk at the moment because people are not applying to mortgages. So if you look at applications for mortgages for purchase, they're scraping along the 25-year lows. And those are, I mean, people were doing those jobs to fulfill the demand. So it's, it's not looking good, at least for the next year, in terms of activity. Uh, if you're looking to buy, there may be a time that will come but it's not right now. At the moment, home home prices appear to be headed down, at least for the next quarter or two. Dana Il, how do you how do you describe the relationship between consumer demand and and the housing market's movements? It's one of those things that people have to have, but they they do have some options within the market, and there are there is a set of consumers that have a certain amount of uh, discretion, you know, that may not have to sell, even though others absolutely do need housing. It, it just feels like a, a different kind of relationship than some of the other, some of the other factors that you look at. Right. And, and it's an excellent question with very, very on a wide set of potential answers. Uh, I think there, are, there will be people who will be waiting to buy uh, because they'll be trying to time it so that prices may have bottomed. And maybe they have the most bargaining power. There are always people who have to sell for I know, reasons of like family uh, events where you have to move, you have to relocate, you maybe get a divorce. So that demand will still be there. But it all comes down to how much uh, mobility is between uh, different, or different regions, how vibrant is the job market, and how many people actually have to move for jobs. Because lately, a lot of jobs let you stay in place. So... I think it's it's going to be a very, very complicated picture over the next year of what's happening in the housing market. And my head is already spinning just thinking about the possibilities, what I'm going to have to you know, keep track of over the next year or so. So I don't have like an easy, I don't know, coherent picture at this moment, but I think it's going to be really interesting if you're an outside observer 
if you are in the market, it's going to be incredibly stressful. Good times. Uh, Charlie, the forecast tells us that there's probably a, a pain coming our way through the end of 2022 into 2023, at least. Does that sound about right to you based on what you're seeing right now? That does sound right. Um, I'm actually, uh, you know, as Daniel has has emphasized, it's a very mixed picture. Uh, the the since all the disruptions of two and a half years ago, um, the supply chains around the world have been um, have have created all sorts of challenges. And and on top of that, we've got labor shortages just about everywhere. Um, so it's it's a very complex picture. Um, for me, the question is, can the Federal Reserve achieve a soft landing? Um, and uh, the, the uh, economist Alan Blinder, the former vice chair of the Fed, um, wrote an article, uh, influential article recently pointing out, and he's got a new book saying, um, of the 11 episodes of monetary tightening in the last 60 years, um, about half of them have we have had a soft landing. It's not easy, it's not guaranteed. I kind of think that the chances that we will avoid a recession entirely, probably less than 50-50 that we can completely avoid a recession, uh, but it could be a very mild one. We've Some of the recessions in recent decades have been uh, mild. What, what I want to avoid is a, a crash like the one that we had when inflation was so high in the late 70s, the Fed stomped on the brakes and created a deep and painful recession. I think we will be able to avoid that. And um, that's certainly what I'm hoping for. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Our pod today was produced by Ronia Cabansag. Other producers on the show are Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a safe weekend out there. And for heaven's sake, get some rest. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.